Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, baby feeding stories from moms plus like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for women plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if this podcast, or me, or our guests, or the stories mean something to you, it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It helps new Moms Plus find us so these stories can support even more baby feeding adults out there in the wild world of parenting. To do this, just go to the More Milk Please show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and just hit the plus sign in the top right-hand corner. Of course, the more stars you're willing to give, the better. (laughs) And I so appreciate hearing your thoughts. So if you could please leave a comment, that'd be amazing. I check and read them all and feel immense joy over each one. So thank you, thank you. So much love and hugs. All right. Today, I am so freaking excited because I am interviewing the one woman who like absolutely transformed my baby feeding story. She believed in me when I didn't believe in me. And she offered up her own baby feeding stories so that I felt normal and seen. And in episode one, I talk about her endlessly because she's just all over my baby feeding story. So I'm so excited. Outside of supporting me, this amazing woman is a results coach with Tony Robbins, a mom of two boys, and absolutely passionate about everything lactation. Lily Kendall Wood, welcome to More Milk, Please. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Molly. It's a pleasure. Yay! Awesome. Well, to dig in, can you share a little bit about you and your family? Sure. Yeah. So I live in Washington State and I cohabitate with the men in my life, which happens to be my husband, a four-year-old and an 11-year-old. Boys, boys, boys. (laughs) Boys, boys, boys. Love it. Love it. Well, let's just jump jump right in. And I want to go back to before your oldest was born. You know, as you were pregnant, what was your baby feeding, breastfeeding knowledge like? Yeah, great question. So for me, I guess the the base belief was breastfeeding's normal. It's what people do. It just is. Like that's the process. I grew up with my mom 
breastfed me and my brother and sister. We kind of had a little bit of an alternative life. And and so it was just like, yeah, like groovy, cloth diapers and breastfeeding. Like that's just the way it was. And so I didn't feel really a driving need to go and do tons of research. You know, there were offerings of breastfeeding classes. And I think I kind of said, oh yeah, I should do that. (laughs) And I like flipped through a couple of books. But I think the driving, you know, just base belief was, well, this is natural. This is the way it goes. So what? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Same, same, same. I hear you. (laughs) So fast forward to the birth of your first son. What was that moment like? So our firstborn, uh, he was born at home. Both of my kids were born at home uh, with a midwife and we had doula. So yeah, I really had this idea that it would be this beautiful water birth <laughs> and I like all the things and the candles and it, it was not. <laughs> labor had stalled that they got me out of the water. It, it was definitely like all hands on deck. Um, he, he took 25 hours to make his sweet way into this world yes. and distinctly remember yeah you know, they put him on my like belly chest and I was just like I'm done get <laughs> off of me <laughs> my husband's like babe he's still attached <laughs> and I was like damn it because <laughs> by that time I was just like spent and I was like Phew. so exhausted <laughs> it was it was funny and it was also hard because I was like is this how you welcome him into the world because I had thought like everybody would be like my baby and that's just not quite how it rolled um yeah but yeah tens of experience and 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 beautiful all at the same time yeah I love that you made it into the tub I've heard a few stories where like don't quite make it in you know yeah, I was there for about five hours. And then they're like, this water's getting too cold. You're yeah. stalling. And I was like, but the water's the only thing that feels good, yo. <laughs> right. Seriously. Mm. All right. So after he was born, did you give yourself a break before trying breastfeeding? Or did you go right into it? What was that first moment like? Yeah, so our first um, came with many, many surprises. In addition to like giving birth for the first time, uh, he was born with a cleft palate, uh, not a cleft lip, just the palate. So if you put your tongue to the top of your mouth, you can feel that bumpy part and then it gets kind of soft. And so from there all the way back, it was just wide open. Mm. I had no idea what that meant. I had just given birth. (laughs) So the midwife handled it so well. And she goes, Oh, he's so wonderful. And it looks, you know, like it looks like he has a a cleft palate and that's just the way he is, you know, just really Mm. welcoming. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And so they, they did put him to breast and it was just like the whole birth process was so incredibly out of this world wild that I was like, all right, just no understanding of what had happened. However, the midwife and my aunt, who is a doctor, were furiously working behind the scenes in those Mm. 12 hours to line everything up for us. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what did that mean for feeding? Was he able to breastfeed or did you have to start with bottle right away? 
I think it was a lot of people that were like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the midwife, um, you know, they have their person in training, you know, and she was the one that assisted and said, oh, look, you can hear that clicking. That means it's working. And I was like, okay. But because cleft palate pops up, but it's not ne- necessarily a routine birth uh, or, or, you know, thing. I think the midwife was kind of learning too of like what his suction could be because she had had another client that had a child with a cleft lip, but not a palate. And so his mother was able to breastfeed by physically holding his cleft lip while he could get suction. So that Mm -hmm. was the big question. Like, does this kid, is he going to be able to get suction? Mm -hmm. And, you know, within the first 12 hours, it was really clear no, he doesn't have any suction. Um, and so it was like, all right, we're going to find some suction. <laughs> <laughs> so I had had a breast pump that a, a friend had given me. And I already knew it wasn't like fully strong because I had had it tested. And that was fine because, you know, I was going to be the, you know, hippie mom where it was all going to work out. Right. Right. Uh, and so I immediately started pumping. I think within the first 12 hours, Mm -hmm. the midwife came back and brought me another pump and just started pumping. Nice. Nice. You mentioned you had it tested. That's the first I've heard. Is there a way to test the suction capabilities of a pump? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a really cool store in West Seattle called Nurturing Expressions. And that's all they do. They do breast pumps. They do pumping bras, they do just anything about lactation. And so I had gone in when I was pregnant, because I needed those support stockings, you know, the medical grade kind. And also I wanted, you know, a bra. And that was one of those moments where I got a, I got a pumping bra. And I was like, my boobs are so big. And the lady lovingly said, Oh, honey, it's, they're just going to get bigger. And I was like, bigger than this? And she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so I had purchased some things there and that's where they tested the one pump that I did have. Nice. Nice. That's so cool. That sounds like an amazing store. <laughs> I, I wish they were in every city. Yeah. That's impressive. Okay. So you started pumping. And what was that experience like? How did, how did that start to unfold? Ooh, yeah. So to give reference, I ended up exclusively pumping for two years, which when I look back is like cuckoo crazy pants (laughs) and how I did it is one hour at a time. Literally. It was like, can I do this right now in this moment? And it was like, I can do this for this moment. I don't know about in three hours, but right now I can do this. Mm-hmm. So what that looked like was I had a book that said, you know, this is a system that it's a supply and demand. You take the milk out, you start it. And I was like, all right, I'll break it down every two hours. I do this for this amount of time. And that's how my life is going to be. And so that's how I just set it up is I set timers. Uh, I had, you know, like a little tiny spiral notebook that I'd write down how much milk from both sides to track to just say, is this getting bigger? Is this about the same? Uh, And one day at a time. 
sometimes literally one pump at a time. Yeah. I know you shared with me, like you had, you were tracking it, which was so cool. Like just getting it down in a journal. So you knew when and how much and all of that great stuff. That's awesome. I interviewed a woman uh, a couple of weeks back who she lives in Canada and she talked about being an underproducer and getting the melatonin drug. And she was surprised to hear that it wasn't available in the United States. And I was like, oh my God, my friend Lily was like the one who introduced me is so amazing. Yeah. Do you want to share it all about that experience? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have the two extremes here. So I've got the the first kiddo that there was no breastfeeding that happened due to a suction because I even was like at 10 months when he had his first repair surgery, I was like asking the nurse, I was like, so what do you think about starting breastfeeding a 10 month old? And she's like, well, you could, he has teeth. (laughs) And the other part was like the specialty bottles that he had so he could, you know, eat. They didn't create suction. The way it released milk was more like chomping. And she's like, you're welcome to have a go at it. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like played with it uh, a little bit, you know, kind of skin to skin and then quickly realized I I did not want teeth on my nipples. That was going to be not a, not a good thing. So the first, um, no really breastfeeding, it was all exclusive pumping and lots of stories around that and moving in the world with a pump and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's stick with that then for a little bit longer. We can move back to the other story is your second in a minute. Yeah. Well, what do you want to know about that? Well, I, I know you you shared with me like some incredible videos about tips that you use just travel in the car and still be pumping. And and so I'm curious, like what what were some of the hacks that you figured out and how did you handle having to be like for two years, just be living your life and also still be pumping? Yeah. So the the, the first was the commitment, the decision of am I going to do this? Like, that's where it starts. And for me, like I said, I had that belief that this is what I wanted to do this. uh, You know, I really felt like this was the natural food, Uh, you know, cuckoo crazy pants. I had a can of formula that my aunt had gotten because she's like, well, just in case. (laughs) And I was like, that was my driving why of like, I am never feeding that to my kid. (laughs) I just, you sometimes latch on. And I was also told at the hospital uh, when he was three days old that because of the cleft palate, he would be more susceptible to ear infections and stuff. Mm. That breast milk, if possible, even helps that even more. And so yeah. that's it. I'm doing this. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and so it began the journey. Um, and what it was like to pump and and because I made that decision and continued to make that decision and my husband continued to make that decision with me because he was a part of this, our lives were slightly altered for two years because that meant we needed to be around refrigeration and, and electricity. <laughs> so the hacks, you know, the hack is you make the decision and then you move forward. I had a nursing cover. I had a hands-free pump. I had this whole process of, I put on the hands-free pump. 
you know, under my t-shirt and then I put the cups in and just shimmy them up and then attach all the equipment all under a nursing cover and then just have at it, you know, and I did it so many times that it just became habit. And again, my compelling why was so strong that I got over my uncomfortable and my fear of like, well, what if somebody sees and yeah, it just have to move through that. Um, and so, yeah, definitely in the car. That's interesting. You know, like when truckers are like looking down going, like, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like life. You just, you can't give a flying hootie about what other people think you move forward with your own life. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's so <laughs> impressive. And I love like, you know, even, even though like looking back on it, it's like, oh my gosh, how did I latch onto that? Why for so long? But like, sometimes you just got to like grab one and hold on to it for dear life and, and just use it to like get what you need because, you know, it's so great. You know, um, my daughter and I are still breastfeeding and the comfort I feel around like, okay, I'm at least helping to counteract all of the flu symptoms. She's around all the time and, you know, support her immune system. Like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Keep this going. Yeah. I think one of the hardest moments for me pumping in public was he was about three months old and we had made the decision to fly back east to go visit my husband's grandfather, you know, say, here's the baby. And so that was really interesting to be on an airplane, you know, like 12 weeks postpartum carrying this hospital grade pump around and uh, our flight home was delayed. And like I had worked it out of you can pump in a airplane bathroom, there's a plug, you know, like it's, it's an interesting experience, right? Or you can do it in in your seat, but I felt more comfortable in the in the bathroom. And so I was like, yeah, the plane's going to take off, we'll hit 10,000 feet, I can totally go to the and no, (laughs) I was, you know, in a packed DC airport, there's people everywhere. I'm like full of hormones and I'm trying to figure out how to do this, just like sitting way out in the open. And then I was just, I had to let go of what anybody else was thinking. Yeah. Um, And I also cried, I think, through that whole pumping. (laughs) Just like, this sucks. I hate this. And and then I made it to the next three hours and that's how it rolled. Yeah. Oh, man. Airports. (laughs) Airports. <laughs> they yeah. are their own beast. So I know because of course you and I are friends, but what what pump you mentioned hospital grade pump, what pump were you using for most of the experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I with the first, uh we I went through seven different pumps. Um I started with like the friends Medela that only worked for one boob. And then uh, the midwife also had a Medela that she, uh, a pump and style in the backpack that she let me borrow. And then I had ordered the freestyle Medela because it was all like hands-free and it was like, this is so not going to work for what I need. And then I got a rental hospital grade and, and it was like the clouds parted and the sun came down. I was like, this thing is amazing. It was comfortable. It didn't make so much noise um, and it had amazing controls. And so I realized, okay, this is exactly, this is what I need. And then I was like, oh, how do I, how do I get this? And I was like, but this is what I'm doing. So I need the right tool. And so 
more on the adventure, I got a Craigslist Medela Symphony hospital grade pump, which turned out to be stolen. (laughs) So when I called Medela to say, it's kind of like making this strange noise. They're like, oh, um, we're going to have somebody come to your door. You'll be shipping that back. And I was like, what? So um, interesting. And so by then, after all of these experiences with all these different pumps, I got over myself and I finally got the right tool, which for me ended up being the Medela Hospital Grade Symphony Plus because it had its own built-in battery. So it could go a certain amount of hours without electricity because we sometimes lose power in the place that I live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Just Um, add that to the list of challenges. I know. (laughs) Talk about your freezer stash and being freaked oh, out. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, we made it through, arrived too. There, mm. it, it was interesting. So, yes, to answer your question, I ended up with the Medela Symphony Plus for yeah. the majority of those two years. Yeah, cool. And it sounded like you're really on the fly, you know, with where and when you were pumping, but did you have like a set pumping station at home or anything in particular that you like to have at that station with you or maybe in your car? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I had a little system for each area that I was in. So I did have a little pumping stand in the bedroom. You know, that was where I did a lot of pumping. I had comfortable seats. I had a nipple cream because I always greased up <laughs> before uh, and the hands-free pumping bra. And um, I always had a set of what I call horns and bottles, like ready to go. So I could just you know sit down and, and get it done. And so I would use that time. I, I really struggled at the beginning of feeling like I wasn't connecting with my child's because I was doing, I was really connected with the pump and figuratively. And so I kind of devised a way of, I took the boppy that I had had, you know, that was absolutely useless. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would put him kind of in the boppy on the ottoman of the rocking chair when he was tiny. So I could have an experience of him at least being close. And so one of the things that I made sure he was either with me or like when I was at work, I'd either watch videos of him or look at pictures of him to really kind of connect in those moments of wee hoo, wee hoo, wee hoo. (laughs) Yes, the endless sound of the pump. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So true. That's awesome. Um, There was a setup in the bedroom. I also had a whole setup of how to pump while in the car, either driving or as a passenger. And and those were the two that got me through. Nice, nice. Also, if you're a breastfeeding mom thinking about breastfeeding or are an underproducer like me, get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. 
Awesome. Well, let's circle back and talk about your second. How did that birth story go? Yeah, a little bit different. So the first was, uh, you know, 25 hours and the second was just under 12. So a a lot quicker. Also born at home. And again, I am thinking I'm going to have this beautiful water birth. And I was like, I learned last time I got cold. So this time I'm getting the heatered one. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't work. Oh, no. (laughs) I think the heater worked just fine. It's just you have to put a certain temperature of water in to begin with. And um, that didn't quite happen. (laughs) So it wasn't quite warm even to begin with. And I was Uh. like, so I quickly moved out of there anyhow. And uh, you just go with the flow of how yeah. the birth is moving along. And what was cool is, so the first, we had literally like a, a party happening on the other side of a door. <laughs> it was my, my grandmother was there, my mother, Dusty's mom, aunt and uncle, cousins, like they're having the birthday party with the first. And I was like, yeah, not in a party mood over here. And so the first midwife was like, the amount of people around a birthing mother can extend the amount of hours was kind of her thought or her observation. Mm -hmm. And so the second I was like, I want it to be much more personal. And so we did not invite anyone and let our moms have their feelings. And so it was intimate and it was a lot quicker and it was really about me and Dusty. Mm -hmm. And then our little G showed up and he, he was like a little basketball. It was this like tightly bound thing that landed on my chest and was like in ah, like less than 10 minutes. Like he was on the boob. He's like, where's the food? (laughs) So he did his own experience right there. And uh, yeah. So did the body crawl up to the boob? Yep. Yep, he did it. And I was like, okay, different kid. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. That's cool. Did um did your first go and stay with one of your moms while you were giving birth or just hang out in the house? Yeah. So that was an interesting thing because I was all, you know, like, I want him to be part of the experience. And he's like, Mm-mm, no. <laughs> first he liked the idea and then he he really didn't want to. Um, and so he went and stayed with it aunt and uncle which he thought was the best thing ever he was ecstatic and he didn't want to come home (laughs) (laughs) oh that's cute that's great though that he got his own really fun experience during all of that so g latched right onto the boob and how did breastfeeding go from there Again, another adventure. (laughs) Um, So to add a side note, we thought really long and hard about having a second. Um, I would say that it took me a very long time to warm up to it, partly because with cleft palates, there's a high percentage that there's a genetic component. So I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that whole experience again. And so the, the thing that made me go, all right, I'm in was the rocking chair test of, okay, if I'm 80 and I'm sitting in a rocking chair, would I regret having not, or not having had a second child? Like I wanted that breastfeeding experience so badly that I was like, I'm in. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be my one shot at getting the breastfeeding experience. 
<laughs> yes. With that as the precursor, I was like, yes, this one latched on. We're going at it. Oh man, did it hurt. <laughs> like, holy mm. smokes. And I like had the huge eyes and I was like, is it supposed? And the midwife's like, yeah, you know, it takes some getting used to. And I was like, I, I pumped and it never, never felt like this. Like so much. So like with the first, I made a mistake and I had the wrong flange size. Like I literally like pumped nipple skin off, which I've I've done that too. Yeah. (laughs) But it was nothing compared to like Mm. what the breastfeeding experience was like with the second. And I was calling a friend, like I go, I am in tears at every single moment. This, this, is this really like normal? And it turns out he had a little bit of a tongue tie. So he was, he was doing the best they could, but it, it wasn't quite working. And so I ended up like two days, three days after he was born, starting to pump again. <laughs> I was again in tears. I was like, this was supposed to be my breastfeeding baby. And <laughs> And just rolled with it again into acceptance of having the feelings and then rolling with it. And, um, you know, by that time, like my milk had come in, but he wasn't extracting it as effectively as he could. And I didn't realize that I could have been on the pump like immediately. Like mm. in sight, it's like, Lily, hop on that pump for no other reason to gather colostrum but like I said I had that mindset of like this is my breastfeeding baby I'm never doing that pump thing again and so (laughs) I quickly changed that and so then we began this 12-week adventure of him getting his tongue clipped of doing the SNS feeder which is you like you hold the bag of milk and you put a tube in their mouth as you try and put them on breast so it's just an adventure yes (laughs) How you hold all the things is like, what? But yeah. And and for him, I ended up getting donor milk for those mm. 12 weeks, which was an interesting reversal because with the first, I had been the donor. One of the benefits of exclusive pumping for me was making more than enough and being able to donate to a mom and a baby. You know, like that, that was really cool. And then on the second, I was... I was the receiver. So it was kind of a neat circle. Yeah. Yeah. And then to answer your question about the Canadian mom, yeah. I I had a friend that was like, you need the milk pills. Cause I was like in tears. I'm like I'm pumping and it's not working. And my milk supply, blah, right? She's, yeah. You got to get these milk pills. I was like, what are these milk pills? Uh, and they're, it's called Dom. Dom Peridone. And it's not available in the US, but it's available in the other Western speaking countries. And, and so she said, yes, it's legit. And the lactation consultant I had had said mentioned it as well and gave me a website. So I ordered myself some milk pills and it was within a day of taking them, it doubled my milk supply. And so then from then on, in those first 12 weeks, then G and I were able to exclusively breastfeed, um, really not that much more need for a pump. And 
And that was that. And he he fed till he was three and a half. And he yeah. would be more than happy to keep continuing. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> he came out ready for the boom and he was like, I, I could do this forever. <laughs> yeah, he's four and he still has moments where he's like, boobies. I'm like, <laughs> And now he's got words and he goes, I'm sad. I really liked boobies. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh, yeah. 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 So what was, what was weaning like for you? What, how did that experience unfold? Mm. Yeah. So for the first, that was super easy because I was pumping and I just slowly stopped pumping and then just stopped pumping uh, and then immediately dropped like 10, 20 pounds. So for the first, like there was reserve fat that just stayed and, and then it went. And then with the second, like I said, he was, he was not ready. Uh, so what we did is we did a lot of talk about it, about, you know, growing up. And then, and so then he and his, you know, three-year-old brain was like, well, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a baby still. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> And so we had these two books, Nighttime Nurses and Sally Wants to Wean, I think, mm. which a friend sent to me. And they were all about the the child's weaning, not not nursing at night. And so that was yeah. kind of like he got, to, oh, we read those books so many times over and over. And he, you know, is looking at the pictures of the the baby, you know, the older kids, because these were older kid books. Um, and we talked about it, we talked about it. And ultimately, what happened is my husband ended up taking the boys camping, like we made the decision of like, all right, this is how it's going to roll. And then we counted down, okay, two more sleeps of boobies, and then all done boobies. He's like, and he would cry and we'd hold space for the feelings. And I say, well, okay, one more sleep and then all done. Um, and then and then he went off on the camping trip. So maybe you want to interview Dusty to find out how that camping trip. Yeah. <laughs> he got attacked in the middle of the night for movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he said he held a lot of space and it was kind of hard for him to fall asleep. But, you know, he cried himself to sleep, I guess. So that, that was the like experience. And then for me, it was working through my own feelings about it. Because mm-hmm. it was mixed of like, I wanted to stop. It was the right time to stop. And then also for me, it was very much that line in the sand of like, this part of your life is done. Like this really nurturing, giving physically of yourself to your kids is done. And I'm very clear, like I'm, I'm 45, I not having any more children out of this mm-hmm. body. <laughs> and so it was a very clear conscious decision um, and it still had a lot of emotion in it. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you got your breastfeeding experience and then to like, you know, be the one making the decision on when it stops. Like that's a lot. hundred percent. I love that you like that you and Dusty work together and you know, like he took them camping and cause it's similarly for myself. Like it's so helpful when my husband puts Luna down because then we, ha- we just have different relationships and she's, you know, she's going to be okay with him in a way that like with me, she'd just be like clawing at my chest. You know? yes. <laughs> <So>. 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With breastfeeding G did, did you do co-sleeping at night? Were you able to get him to sleep in a crib or a bed? How did it go in the evenings? 
So for him, again, you start with what works for your family and you start with your own convictions and your own beliefs. And so for me, I felt like co-sleeping felt natural and felt really comfortable for me. Um, Having the baby in the crib was so much more anxiety producing than having them in the co-sleeper. And so we had a co-sleeper in our bed and this kiddo did not want to be in that co-sleeper, like (laughs) not at all. You know, our first loved to be swaddled. I mean, Mm. we swaddled him till he was probably like nine months or 12 months uh, because he just loved that tight sensation of which he still does today. The second, not at all. Like he was like, you know, (laughs) none of the swaddling business and did not want to be in the co-sleeper. And, and I had read this article that said something to the effects of like babies belong on mom's chest, which when I read it, I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Push up. Right. But it had gone in. And so I, I tested it out with him of, Mm. well, what if I am like kind of upright and and he falls asleep on me and then I fall asleep. And that's what we did for the first three months. He literally like slept on my chest. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's how it rolled. They're like, it was kind of weird, but it was also a really different experience to be up mm-hmm. every, mm, you know, every two hours or less than like, cause he wanted to eat and he wanted to eat it frequently. And I was used to like, okay, I've got my, my pump timer and like, it's time, like the pump timer was almost easier because I would just get up pump and then immediately like go back to bed. I now had a baby to feed and then like change its diaper and all this. I was like, whoa, this is different. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I guess that's how we slept for the first three months. And then um, he, he just, he never wanted to be in the crib. He wanted to be attached even now at four, like he always has a body part touching somebody yeah. he has chosen. He has his own bed and he has chosen a couple of nights to sleep there. And some nights he makes it through some nights he wakes up, but for us, we're comfortable with allowing that. And for other families, they're going to choose something different. Um, sure. But yeah, for me again, and like the second was like, all right, I'm going all in. I'm getting all the baby experiences that I didn't get. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I know we've talked about a few resources already, but like thinking about pumping and breastfeeding, um, do you have any particular resources for moms or products or tips or things that you'd like to call out? Yeah. So what I wish somebody had told me is line up your support. Like, have your girlfriend's numbers, have a lactation consultant, um, have your meals taken care of or somebody taking care of, like you cannot overdo your support. That That's my number one that I ask people, like what's your support network look like? I find that myself, I got so trapped in finding like, what's the best thing? What's the right thing? Uh, You know, what's the product that I need that it pulled me out of the moment. And so I got some really good advice from my sister-in-law that it was just cherish these sweet moments. They go by so quick. 
And whatever is the right thing is the right thing in the moment that you're in. You know, keep it simple and keep it flexible. I know I went into it going, I have to have the perfect stroller. And I spent hours looking at cloth diapers. And, and, And then I got perspective from a buddy from our birth class that was like, Hey, in the end, they're, they're going to pee and poop in these things. So like, is it really that big of a deal? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, You know, and embracing like accidents happen, whether you've got cloth or disposable. Um, And so being able to flex, you know, and getting that support. Those are, those are like the top two things that I wish I could gift every mom and just say, it helps to take away the anxiety of just saying, you're going to roll with it and you're going to figure it out. And, and that being said, like, if you go with exclusive pumping, we get something that's close to a hospital grade, like try to think there's a, there's some really cool new products that are out there on the the market. So for skin to skin for the second nesting days was mm-hmm. baby carrier. That was a shirt that made my life amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. It stretchy spandex. So he could stay on. I breastfed him as I was grocery shopping because he's in this thing. And I'm like, it, he's completely covered. He's happy. And, and so that's, we used that till he was six months old and like nice. stretching it out. But that's that- impressive because like they start to get heavier. So I love that like that shirt held up for yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> I kept on going, well, this we're, we're gonna like I literally yeah. wore it almost every single day for six months. Um because it was that invaluable of a tool for me. Mm-hmm. And I also accepted like something else is gonna come up. And that's yeah. one of those tips of like, it's about every three months, your kiddo is going to change. And so whatever was the perfect thing might not be the perfect thing anymore. And, and it happens for the rest of their lives too, is it, it's about every three to six months, there's something that shifts and you just shift with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love something I've learned from you was that you use a lot, like when you're pumping, you had a lot of parts and like just the permission to like get a lot of parts. Don't try to constantly be rewashing the same ones or just have like one backup. Do yourself the favor of just having a lot so that you can have your like moments where you're washing them all, but you don't also have to be worrying about between every pumping session, washing them out or what have you. That was such a I don't know. I was just making it so much harder for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like remove the friction and make things easy. That's the advice of, yeah, there's a bajillion things out there, but what works for you? And for me, writing something down in a notebook was simple and it was easy and it worked. Yeah. So yeah. And giving yourself permission. Yeah. You can have the same set of pump stuff. You throw it in the re- a plastic bag and you put it in the refrigerator. Yeah, for sure. All right. I've been wrapping up with like a little rapid fire questions. So curious, what were, if you remember, what were your boys first foods or what were some of the first foods you introduced them to? Mm. Yeah. So the first food for the first was banana. Mm. And the first food for the second, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Not even there, not even close. 
and partly I think because it was very organic, like he has been, you know, sat on our laps, um, been around. And so very much led, let both kids be child directed eating of making it clear when they were ready. Yeah. Yeah. And G's, you know, going after what he wants. So yeah. <laughs> Are you a morning or a night person? Definitely morning. Oh, (laughs) man. Yeah. If I could get up at like four or five in the morning every single day, that's me. (laughs) And I melt around eight or nine in the evening. And so the hardest feed always was either it it was the 3 a.m. feed. Midnight, I could get to, you know, it's like, okay, it's midnight. I can do this at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. but what got me there is like all right this is the last one I have to do and then I'm golden at six like I know I can be on my game at six in the morning like and and so if somebody is a later schedule like that's that's all you have to have is like I just get through this one and then I'm at my good one yeah yeah nice all right are you coffee, tea, water? What's your like go-to drink of choice? Water, 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 water. And that was another tip somebody said, always have a water bottle with a straw near your pumping station or your feeding station. And it's true because as soon as you sit down, you're like, I'm so thirsty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I had water. I don't don't drink coffee. I Caffeine highly affects my, my system. So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't doing it because I didn't want it in the breast milk. I mean, right. Right. It was totally personal choice, just personal choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So when your kids were little or even now, what is your go-to recharge activity? Good question. So I have a lot of self-care things that are in place that are routine ritual that are super like I do them. So I maintain a foundation, right? And some of that is like, I go for walks. I do a morning meditation. I, I wake up with two thoughts. I say today is a victory and my life is a blessing. Uh, It wasn't always like that. Let me tell you, (laughs) (laughs) but I find that just having the first thought or even just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Goes a long way in my self-care. And so I ask permission of myself and I give myself permission to take breaks and recognize that when I take probably naps, like when Mm -hmm. I nap, I now take a nap um, because I know I show up so much better self-care. I'm trying to think of like what it looked like when they were small, because now that they're older, I can sneak away a little bit more uh, or whatever is needed. But I also have found that when I have these foundational habits in place, I don't have that like, I'm going to scream and pull my hair out moment as much. Yeah, because you've already built in the recharge activities. They're not something you have to like, yeah, pull out in the moment because you've like started your day with meditation and positive affirmation and I'm thinking back to like when G was small, like, and he was totally a night feeder and he like did not want to give up booby. Like, and it was also like, I couldn't even get out of bed without him waking Mm. that like tied in just aware. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
what I ended up doing, because I was having pulling my hair out moments was, okay, and what can I do? And, and what could help me? And so I just realized I'm in this space. It's not going to last forever. And what I can do is I can have my phone next to me. And I started to do my meditations in bed mm. uh, next to him, or sometimes he was even feeding, but it yeah. was like, at least I'm getting something. It's not like the dream home with the sun rising or all right. But it's like, and what can I do just to move myself a little bit more to give myself a little bit more? And and sometimes that was like laying in bed and listening to an audio book that I enjoyed. And, and these little moments um, yeah. when he was small and it was pretty bodily intensive. Yeah. Yeah. Did your kiddos have favorite bedtime stories or just children's books that they like? Not necessarily. They just, they both. They like the routine of being read to my oldest, anything with excavators or diggers like mm-hmm. would be, and he, he would sit for hours and listen on, and the second, not at all. I would read <laughs> when he was small and he was like, not having it like sit down. What? <laughs> um, and he was totally, he, you know, with the first, it was like, okay, it's six thirty, it's bedtime. All right, I, and we do that for fifteen minutes, and then we do much more scheduled routine. Absolutely, by the book, the exact same thing every day, because for him, if he didn't go to bed at a certain time, he would like do that second awake phase. Oh yeah, and he would wake up even earlier in the morning, and so we we were just like never ever. Um, and so we, we followed that set routine with him gosh, probably till he was like eight or 10. Yeah. Like, it's still pretty set routine for him. There's a little more flexibility, but you know, he was super highly light sensitive as well. So yeah. So the first yeah. set routine, the second he's, he goes with the flow, whatever's yeah. happening. And if people are up, he wants to still be up and and so he goes to bed when we all go to bed and then he wakes up when his body's ready. It's different. I love it's, it. It's different. Yeah. You know, so I literally put him to bed for three and a half years because he would nurse himself to sleep and he would not have anybody else put him to bed. Mm-hmm. And when we switched, when he weaned for a year, he would not have anybody put him to bed other than his dad. Like. Aww would not let me put him to bed. And so that was an interesting thing that happened with the weaning. Um, This absolute, nope, you don't (laughs) get to put me to bed. And so I work with my feelings. So one of my self-care things is I have listening partnerships uh, twice a week where I go and I offload all the feelings that I have about being a mom and the feelings that I have about being with my kids that, you know, we call it like the emotional gunk, the stuff that comes up, but you don't really have a space to release it. I I release twice a week. (laughs) That's amazing. I've never heard of this. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's under hand in hand parenting. Again, we could add that, but that that was also world changing. Um, that place to just say all the things that you want to (laughs) say. Yeah. 
Yeah, that safe space. That's awesome. Well, speaking of helpful things, what is one thing that Dusty did to really help you out um, or take the burden off you when they were little? He's always had my back like that. That's a he and he washed so many pump parts. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So many bottles, so many pump parts. He made sure that there was like a filled water bottle and it took care of some food stuff. Would he do a lot of the actual bottle feeding after you pumped or was that mainly you? Yeah. So we learned that right at the beginning. Uh, So he's one of those people that cannot get as much sleep and still be like cheerful and functional. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, like, uh, I get a little angry. (laughs) Sleep is important. (laughs) Yeah. And just without amount of sleep, I I get crunchy. And so I learned to let go of heroics right at the beginning. And I was just, of course, crying of like, Dusty, I can't do this. Like I can't pump and then take that pumping and feed our kid and change the diaper. I'm like, I'm up for 45 minutes and then trying to sleep for 30. And then it's another pumping session. And I'm like, I cannot do this. And so uh, you know, it was our come to Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, again, we recommitted that, yes, we still wanted to do breast milk for our child and that he would get up in the nighttime feedings. I would get up to do the nighttime pumpings, but they weren't always aligned. So right. I, you know, I just go and do my pump thing and then go back to bed. Um, and then Dusty would take care of and the, like the midnight and three. And then I had, as I said, no problem at 6am. And so it's like, I could take him. Yeah. Then on, but yeah, you, you got to figure out what works for you guys. And yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything like else you'd like to share before you wrap up or, you know, like about your passion for lactation and if, if there's things that you're doing to support women around that, I, I'd love for you to be, to share. Hmm. Yeah, it's just that like quick share of just whatever you believe, right, is possible. And, and hearing all the stories of people that said, well, I tried and it just didn't work out. Hearing that makes my heart break. Not because I think, oh, everybody should be breastfeeding. Because to be honest, like with the second, I was like, if this isn't going to work, formula is just fine. <laughs> uh, because I had done that, you know, two years right. ago exclusive pumping. I knew what that road was like, but it also like really say, take whatever decision you, you make and just go with it. Okay. Um, and, and hold on to the possibility of, of what you believe to be true and follow your heart. Um, and as to how I, you know, how I help moms, like I just talk to them, like, how's it going? Because I find healing the story that you have with yourself can lead to a more open, expansive motherhood mm-hmm. and personhood. Yeah. And it's it's such an important piece because it's, it's like when you become a mother and particularly in those early months, like it's really all about the baby. And a lot of times people don't even ask you about yourself. They just want to know about the baby. So that's awesome. Just even like holding space for moms to talk about themselves and how they're, how they're feeling. <laughs> yeah. 
what you just mentioned brought up a question for me with G, you know, doing the breastfeeding and then of course him breastfeeding for three years. Do you remember how you handled the moment where he did get teeth and like continuing to breastfeed beyond that moment? Because I know that's a hard moment for a lot of moms to like keep going after the teeth start to come in. Mm. I got bit a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he, he was a he was a chomper even when he had gums. And I was like, oh, dude. <laughs> um, so I learned, you know, that you you can stop the suction by putting your little finger in the side of their mouth and that immediately releases them, which is really helpful to know because there yeah. were times that I was like, I was trying to pull them off and he's like, and, and so then being able to immediately release him and, and say no is what worked for me. And yeah. I, <laughs> Disrupting I, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. I, I did. I got bit a couple of times. Blood happened a couple of times. What It was uncomfortable. Like, it, you know, again, I go back to that conviction of, yes, this is worth it. Yes, we'll make it through this. It, we had one night where he was teething and he was absolutely miserable, inconsolable, like screaming, crying, pain mm-hmm. all night long. And so I kept on like trying to bring him to be- uh, breast and he, he kept biting and like refusing. And it was, it was, and so I hold that to just go, well, nothing gets worse than that. Like, <laughs> and then once he has teeth and he figured out no biting doesn't work, right? it, it didn't feel drastically different. And yeah. since it's like, I almost don't remember what it was like without teeth, if that makes sense. Cause mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our, our breastfeeding relationship was obviously a lot longer with teeth. So, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Lily, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your, your story. I really appreciate it. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way they do that? Sure. Yeah. So if something resonated for you or you want to further the conversation, uh, of course I'm open to that. And I can drop my email and also my phone number. Awesome. Yay. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a fellow Mama Plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.